Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Uh, hey, pretty good. Just uh, bear with me for a second. I just drank. I changed up my pre-workout mix, and it's the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life, so I've got to get my best. <laughs> All right, oh, no problem. God. No, we can, we can talk for a second. Uh, <laughs> did you understand yeah. what I meant with the uh, that whole pit pitting and uh, the cone rule thing that, you know, people oh, were upset about? The commitment cone violations, yeah, they always get mad about that. They have, there's like certain things they have to do. Like they can't run over the commitment cone or the commitment line at Bristol and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the, it, it extends out from the line like that, like almost like an imaginary, like kind of like a goal line situation, or is that basically what it is? Yeah, it's basically like crossing the out of bounds line in basketball or football. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's one of their versions of the out-of-bounds line. I'm like, if you have made that commitment and you're past that line or your tire is on that line and you decide not to pit, well, they're going to make you come in anyway. Oh, yeah, wow. that's how that works. Or, you know, so so you can't – they say you can't change your mind once you're at or past that commitment cone. No, that stuff is horrible. Oh, my goodness. I don't know why I drank that. I'm going to take it back, I can tell you that. Ew. I knew better than to get it, but it was a little bit cheaper than what I'd been taking. and I just, yeah, let's not do that again. That's my thought process. Oh, goodness. But, yeah, I'm, let me, let me figure out, because I'm, I'm going to the gym after this. I don't really get much time anymore to go in the daytime. But, uh, okay. I'm ready whenever you are. Excuse me. Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, to go. Yeah, hold on a second. Just one, just one second. I figure we don't, uh, we'll just talk about some more, uh, throwback racing schemes and then do the full, uh, preview for Darlington next week, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we wrap up the show kind of with the throwback schemes and either, either go with the standings first. And then go to the throwbacks, you know what I mean? It kind of, because that kind of, you know, it's kind of like a little preview, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that will be fine. Uh, Darlington, it's a big deal in South Carolina, so we're uh, we're ready. Yeah, I'm ready to start whenever you are. All right. Uh, it was very good sound last time, so the louder the better. Yeah, so it just reminded you. So. All right, sounds good. With an Ohio Bias presents NASCAR Talk with Justin Bradley, episode five, and uh, we're going to be wrapping up the big win by 
Kyle Bush in Bristol, and then looking forward to uh, getting more thoughts on the throwbacks, paint schemes that have been announced from Justin. Justin, welcome on in. Uh, a lot of excitement in Bristol, and, uh, man, you really feel for Eric Jones and also Matt Kenseth, the way that race played out. Yeah, definite heartbreaker, but it's a big break that he didn't win for Chase Elliott and some of those other guys, including Kenseth himself. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were – Pulling for Eric Jones, it would have been nice to see a rookie win a race this year. Unfortunately, it just didn't pan out there in the end. Not really sure what happened, but Kyle Busch showed why he's Kyle Busch and pulled away to win. So whether you like him or not, you got to admit, guy's got some skill. 40 career wins already, man. That's That's booking it. So, again, Eric Jones just didn't close out the deal. Kyle Busch did. And I think in time, Eric Jones will learn how to do that unfortunately just wasn't his night after he dominated much of that race. Now, the fun thing about this podcast, Justin, is that I get to ask questions and kind of learn things. And uh, we got another one that sit the NASCAR Twitterverse, at least, into, you know, uh, full caution, as I would say, um, to keep it with the phrasing is uh, the cone rule, man. And uh, even the VP of co- a competition for NASCAR, you know, came out and said, you know, it doesn't work the way it's intended. Explain what this rule is for folks, because you had to explain it to me. Cause it was one of those things, yet again, I didn't understand what was happening uh, when they were going in the pits and a couple guys got outside the zones yeah basically what they're saying is there's a line or a cone a commitment cone and once you're past that line or even at it with your tire on it you can't change your mind so say that i'm the leader i'm coming down pit road and at the last minute i decide i'm going to stay on the racetrack well if i've already crossed that commitment line can't do that i'll get penalized for it that's nascar's rule It's been that way for the last few years, and again, some guys are not real happy about it because, you know, where where do we draw the line with that? Well, NASCAR says it's pretty black and white. It doesn't matter if half an inch of your tire is past that line, you will get penalized for it. So it's just, I guess, their way of keeping things a little bit fair and making sure people are doing things above board, but again, a lot of People don't like it, especially if it happens to your favorite driver. But it's happened to a lot of really, really good drivers over the years. I know Jeff Gordon's gotten busted for it, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano. So these are big names. It's not just the guys who have, you know, limited runs at the front. You're getting a lot of people struggling with that rule. But, again, it's there. And it's another thing you have to deal with. At first, people didn't like the yellow line rule. There's still a lot of people who don't like that at the super speedways, but you still like out of bounds in basketball or football. You got to stay within those lines. And you 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 mentioned that uh, you know people don't like it. Is this one of those things you think that um, you know NASCAR might look at in the off season? Well, I think they might look at it, and they might look at maybe expanding it or moving it up a little bit to give the drivers a little bit more time. And whether you like it or not, I think it does create a sense of professionalism in terms of these are the best drivers in the world, the best stock car drivers in the world. So in a way, they have to do everything professionally, which means that there's a certain set of rules they have to play in, and they're a little bit tougher than maybe at your local dirt track or your local speedway. So 
these guys know the drill. They're pros for a reason. And, you know, everybody makes mistakes. And sometimes you get busted, sometimes you don't. Now, my main thing would be the pit road speeding situation where they measure the lines throughout pit road. Sometimes it looks like it's questionable, and you have a lot of people argue that. But, like I said, NASCAR says this is what we define as black and white. That's what they define as black and white. you got to play within their rules, whether they're popular or not. And I think this also speaks to the communication, you know, of how a team works through this, um, a racing team works through this with the crew chief, you know, the guys in the pit ready, you know, um, and communicating with that driver back and forth, you know, whether he needs to come in or not. I mean, that seems like that would have to play into crossing that imaginary line or committing that, you know, cone violation. Um, And we kind of see that play into the way the Pocono played out at the end. So, um you know, I think even a couple weeks, just a couple weeks ago, somebody got a penalty because they pitted too early or something like that. I'm trying to, I, I'm, I can't remember, but um, my point, my point being that you know, it, it has to do with the racing team being a little bit more uh, in tune with what their driver needs and what that car needs. Yeah, it definitely relies on driver crew chief communication, and I think what you're referring to is. There are certain times when pit road is closed, you can't come down pit road. So if you do, you have to go to the tail end of the longest line or something like that. I'm not exactly 100% sure on what it is now. I just know they'll get penalized for it. So if you come in when pit road's closed, that's a penalty. And, again, a lot of different things with pit road. NASCAR is very serious about those rules. And, again, pretty cut and dry as far as they're concerned it's up for debate among drivers and fans, though. Yeah. Well, you said Matt Kenseth actually, and and that creates some possibilities for Chase Elliott by Bush's win at Bristol, um, in the way that it played out at the end there. But one guy who has come out and even said it earlier today, Justin, was Joey Logano. Said he knows he must win these last two races to have a chance to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm a little bit shocked at how poorly he ran at Bristol, and considering I picked him to win, I thought he'd run better. I would say that since he did win the spring race at Richmond, he'd be a strong threat in the fall race. Historically at Darlington, he's been on and off, so I don't really look for him to win there. But you never know. I mean, Joey Logano, he's still a top-tier driver, but he's just not having a good year. And sometimes you'll have that. There was a couple of years that Kevin Harvick was off the map for a little while. So, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with Logano, but they definitely don't have a whole lot of speed especially when you compare to Gibbs now has the most speed again. Even Eric Jones and front row racing with Martin Truex Jr., they're running well. Hendrick's still kind of up there. I think Chase Elliott was, you know, he was headed for a decent finish until that contact with Harvick. So, you know, Joey Logano is right. I mean, he has to win. There's just no choice. But the question is, will he? I don't think so. He's just not showing the speed or the consistency like he has in the past. And how much pressure does that put on both the team and driver when, you know, you're feeling that you must win? It's not even about getting stage points or anything like that. It's just you have to flat out win the whole race and to win two back-to-back. That feels, you know, almost um, almost uh, uh, impossible. Pretty much. I mean, it's just an insurmountable amount of pressure. I mean, it's, it can be done. It's possible. If this were the 48 car, I'd say, oh, yeah, they could probably do it. Kevin Harvick showed that he could do it too a couple of years ago back in Dover where he had 
two bad finishes to start the chase, and he had to win over and went out and did it. So it's possible. But with Logano, he's just not showing the speed. So, again, a lot of pressure. And I don't think Joey Logano has really been the same ever since Matt Kenseth took him out at Martinsville in 2015. I think that broke a lot of the momentum that he had. And whether you like Joey Logano or not, a lot of people didn't back in those times because they sided with Matt Kenseth. But you got to admit that something's been off since that race back in October of 2015. I look for them maybe to rebound later in the year, but it's going to be a little bit of a case of too little, too late for Joey Logano and his team. But, again, the pressure is ridiculous. It's just like if a college football coach were on the hot seat, you know, he's going to pull out all the stops and maybe do things a little bit differently than he's done in previous years when he wasn't going to get fired. So you look at that situation, it's it's just a, a total mind game at this point. And, you know, it, it's very, very tough to overcome the kind of odds that he's facing right now. And we're very excited about the race down there in your neck of the woods in Darlington, the Bojangles 500. Uh, we will do a full preview on next uh, on next week's episode, so be very excited to get the thoughts on that. You know, I heard people are revved up down there, Justin, um, but uh, one of the big components of that and what got people excited is the more throwback paint schemes being announced. And uh, this week, um, one with Demi Hamlin going back to uh, pay homage to the old Toyota car that got it started, and that's uh, the number 11 with the uh, Hendrick Racing Team's throwback Um your thoughts on that one and uh, what Mr. Um, what Mr. Modified meant for racing and the impact of Hendrick Motorsports? Well, obviously, you look at what they've done recently. It's just, it's just amazing at that team's consistent performance at the top of the game. I really like that car, too. I, I really wasn't sure what they were going to come up with. Denny Hamlin always has a really nice-looking ride at Darlington, and I think this is a great scheme for him. In terms of what Mr. Modified meant for racing, well, you wouldn't have the kind of racing you have now with guys like him, you know, who who kind of paved the way for the drivers of today, kind of set the standard. So it's really exciting to watch these guys nowadays and think, man, what if they raced back in the old days? Would they be as cool to watch as he was? Or would he be as cool now to watch? And I think it's just always a fun thing to have the drivers of the past kind of combine with the drivers of today and look at where they all stack up together. So, you know, you'll never actually be able to see them all race together. I think that would be a dream come true if they all raced in their primes to see which one of these guys was the best. But, you know, I mean, anytime you get a chance to pay tribute to the past, especially a legend like that, it's, it's a really cool deal. And especially for Denny Hamlin, I, I got to believe that's, going to be a fun ride for him on Labor Day. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, two years ago when they decided to do that down in Darlington, it's just a great idea. I mean, uh, you see it in other sports, you know, people love the jerseys and whatnot. And you talked about your affinity for some of these, um, you know, you talked about your affinity for the memories of seeing some of these cars, you know, win races or just run well at different tracks with those old, you know, paint schemes. So uh, more being still being announced, and we'll have more about that on the next week's episode too. Um, it's very interesting the way this is wrapping up with the playoffs coming, Justin. Uh, we, we shuffle the deck again, and 
you you already talked about Joey Logano. Any other predictions for somebody maybe uh, jumping up and trying to take that points lead? Well, at this point, I think Matt Kenseth is pretty well safe. He's pretty high up in the points. He just took over the seventh or eighth position from Jamie McMurray, which helps his cause. I think Kenseth's going to be okay. He doesn't really need to win, but he needs to keep running strong. And, and over the last five or six races, he's run as strong, if not stronger, than anybody, maybe except Kyle Busch. But a real missed opportunity there for Eric Jones. And that's kind of a double whammy for him. Not only did he miss out on his chance to win his first race, but he missed out on securing a playoff spot because we know that would have done it. But, again, a big break for Chase Elliott that Eric Jones did not win. And I'm actually pretty surprised at Chase Elliott this year. I thought he would contend for more wins than he has. Just hasn't really been as strong as he was last year in terms of leading laps. In terms of finishes, he's a little bit ahead of pace, but again, it's just seems like he's a little bit quieter than normal. I think that Chase really needs to just keep his foot on the gas as well. He's going to be fine. I think a guy like Clint Boyer and Joey Logano, those are the folks who have to worry, and now Jamie McMurray has to worry as well. And also, I'll bring a name up that who hasn't really run that well all year long, which kind of wasn't a surprise to me, but it's kind of disappointing because we know he's the most popular driver in NASCAR. That's Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think it would be really awesome for him and his fans if he makes the playoffs, but he's just not shown anything at all except for maybe one or two races this year. He's just not had the speed, and he's had nothing but horrendous luck. It's just like every time he has something going, he takes two steps back. So I don't look for him to make the playoffs. And if he is going to win a race, I would say Richmond is his best chance as well. He's had success there in the past, but just really kind of a disappointment that the 88 car probably won't make the playoffs in his final year. Yeah, much was made about his last night, uh, last race in uh, Bristol. I mean, it's been the you know farewell tour, um, and like you said, it's kind of been lackluster because there hasn't been any success to really uh, let the fans show their love. Um, he hasn't even you know what a top five finish, I don't believe. Um, so it's it, it's really those things. He's walking away quietly, I guess you know, with um, walking away quietly from his racing career. But his latter, his his legacy looms large, um, larger than just racing itself. I mean, he's still a huge figure in the sports community. Yeah, and he's a he's a great guy. I love Dale Earnhardt Jr. Really, really good guy. Uh, obviously, we know I loved his dad, but he does have a top five, I believe, at Texas. He finished third okay. in the spring and had a couple of top ten runs there earlier in the year. And again. He really has he, he has done one thing that his dad never did, which I always like to point out to folks who, who always say, well, you know, he's not his dad. Well, of course not. He's Dale Jr. He's his own man. But he won the Daytona 500 twice. Dale Sr. only won it once. He probably you could make the case he maybe should have won it five times, but we all know that he didn't have the best luck in that race, and unfortunately that's the race that took his life. But... As far as Dale Jr. goes, yeah, he's, he's had a nice career. I mean, 26 wins, that's that's nothing really to scoff at. And that's better than a lot of drivers throughout the series history. So he's done a good job, and he's a great ambassador for the sport. He's really great with the fans. And he's just a guy that really is just the everyman that people can get behind. And I think that's 
his appeal. I think he'll be around the sport for a long time. We know he's going to become a commentator, which is great. And, again, I, I just like to see him stay involved. And I think that he's going to be really good for the sport, just like Daryl Waltrip and Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett have been as announcers. So, you know, this is not the end for Dale Jr., even though he's having a bad year. Everybody who loves him is still going to support him. And he's still going to be the same great guy that he's been throughout his career. So, you know, hats off to him for doing it his way even though maybe he hasn't had the success that a lot of people had hoped he would. And we still have Earnhardt running. I mean, let's not forget the number 33 car, you know, uh, his cousin, Jeffrey Earnhardt, will be out there. So uh, the Earnhardt legacy, will, the Earnhardt racing legacy will still be out on the tracks. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think it'll ever go away. You know, as long as there's a NASCAR, people will remember the name Earnhardt. All right, I think that's a great spot where we will close out the podcast this week, Justin. Uh, Once again, as always, we do at the end of this show, drop the social media links uh, so people can at you uh, with your uh, Earnhardt takes. Yep, uh, Twitter's 2JustinBradley. Instagram is 3JustinBradley, so pretty easy to remember. Again, like to have everybody involved, and we're really glad that you tune into the podcast each week. You know, we try to bring some fresh takes to you. And, you know, kind of interesting to see where the discussion goes. Kind of, I don't think we were planning on talking about Dale Jr. He just kind of came up and, (laughs) hey, we roll with it. We like that. And it's always neat to focus on all the great aspects that make NASCAR fun to watch. Absolutely. So we thank you for listening, and we will talk at you next time. All right, buddy. Uh, That's a good one. I'm going to throw in the little part I did last time about, you know, uh, following on Facebook and stuff like that. We'll post that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the Dale the Jr. stuff's good. Um, I did not know yeah, he had that over his uh, dad. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. That, that, was a good, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the only thing. Well, well, not the only thing. He's his uh, Earnhardt didn't win the most popular driver until after he passed away. And so Dale Jr.'s won it big grief like 15 years in a row. So, Let me ask you this question. Would, mm-hmm. would Senior have more wins if he was running with the current NASCAR rules? That would have been a great question to ask, actually. I think so. I think that if he hadn't died in 2001, he was going to be the champion. I really do. I think he was going to be the eight-time champ, yeah. Because he had a fast race car, I think he would actually probably have hung it up somewhere around 2004 or five. Okay. Yeah, because he was he was almost 50, and we, yeah, we can talk about that next week. But yeah, he was almost he was 49 when he died. He would have been 50 in April of that year, and he'd always said something about not really racing too far past 50. I think he would have been like Rusty Wallace and and. Uh, maybe raced up until 2004 and said, all right, guys, I'm going to walk away. You know, I I really believe he probably would have done that. And I still think that his team DEI would have been pretty darn close to being as good as Hendrick. Hmm. Yeah, so I think Dale Jr. would have won a championship in that equipment. When did Dale Jr. leave? When did he leave and go to Hendrick? I mean... His last season with DEI was 2007, and uh, 
His stepmom would not give him majority of the company. I, so I was just about to say, I remember that was a big controversy. And, you know, Teresa um, is kinda, not a good person. It, yeah, it spilled over into mainstream. You know what I mean? I just remember that sticking out, that whole thing with the family and everything. So. Well, she just absolutely, she just sued Dale's oldest son over a housing thing using the Earnhardt name. I'm like, that's that's his family name. You know, Teresa married into that. She wasn't born into it. That's Carrie Earnhardt's family name and stuff. I don't know. It's a big, it's a big thing. So, she has not done herself any favors among senior nation. I can tell you that. All right. But, uh, that's something yeah. that we can talk about definitely. You know, in in the future, but uh, I think next week it would be good to touch on some of the favorite uh, throwbacks coming up, some of the schemes that I like and and that you like. Um, you know, definitely I love Brad Keselowski's scheme. I think that might be my favorite one. Okay. But there's a yeah, you know, there's a lot of good talking points, and if, you know, of course it's the Southern 500. It's a crown jewel, and everybody wants to win it. All right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna uh, get rolling we'll be, to the gym here. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I I can turn this one around pretty fast, so it should be up tomorrow, um, some point. That the latest in the afternoon or evening right. when I get back. So if I don't get it up in the morning, um. So uh, thank yeah. you for your time, and uh, we'll keep rolling, man. Hey, no problem. We'll see you later. All right, take care. All right, bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.